0: Good morning and welcome to all that are here. Uh, If you turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I've entitled my message this morning and wasn't quite sure what title to give it, but I've entitled it Charisma Love. Now the word charisma is a word that we don't use a lot, but you find it um, translated into the word gift. And we'll find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and also 31 are those two particular verses that I want to look at this morning along with 1st John chapter 4 but if we look at the word gift um, and go back to the Greek it would the word is used charisma we use the word charisma as a base for charismatic and when you think of somebody charismatic you think of somebody that's excited excited about in particular God and if we look at the word just charisma uh, somebody might come to your mind maybe it's a salesman that came knocking to your door and there's just something about this person that just made you want to buy his product, something you didn't need. But he had the charisma about him that, sure, I'll buy it. Give me two of them. I mean, you sold me, you want to sell me one sweeper? I'll take two of them just because of his charisma. And, and if, maybe you've wondered, like, how can I get that? Because um, I'm just. if I tried to sell something, I couldn't even sell it. Maybe, hey, would you want one of these? And I'm just this boring person. Um, some people have more of a natural charisma but we want to look this morning and kind of dig into some of um, what i believe god wants us to be like and and i think it it does it doesn't matter what your personality is like god wants to give you this charisma love i'm going to take the time to read uh first john four i'll read the whole chapter and i'll be pulling a few things out uh, later Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and o- and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth heareth. I'm sorry. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, beloved, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Of all the words in this scripture, uh, the word love, two of them are translated. um, One is agapeo, and the other one is agape. The first one is to love in a social or moral sense, and the other one is affection or benevolence. And so as we read this scripture, we look at the two forms of love here, and he's talking, he's telling or commanding us as Christians that we need to love. And it's something we've heard over and over again. Looking at um, verses 7 and 8, and this is something that for years, um i remember reading this when i was younger and not being able to understand it it says if you love that if you're born of god or that if you love you're born of god and you know god and that if you love not then you know not god so is he saying here that if i love someone if i have an act of kindness towards somebody if i come to church and give somebody a hug that means i'm a christian that i love god I'm a born-again believer. I'm going to give an illustration. So about February 14th, we see a lot of these around. And a lot of people give these to their wives or to a friend. Does that mean that over Valentine's Day, all of a sudden there's just an explosion of Christians because we showed our love to people? That would be kind of strange to think that way, wouldn't it? That just at the season of what we call the season of love, that's when everybody becomes a believer. Because it says that if you love, you're born of God. So what does this verse mean? Or what, does, what is he trying to teach us? If we go to 1 Corinthians 12, one, you, you don't have to turn to that. I'm going to read uh, the first verse in 1 Corinthians 12. If I can find it. First Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12.1, and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. That word gift, if you look up in the Greek, is the word charisma. And I believe what he's telling us here is that I am going to give you a spiritual gift. As a believer, I'm going to give you the gift of love. Now, years ago, I also, when I would hear people speak on the subject of love, I thought, well, they're just getting all fancy and cute, and they, they need to get off of that little horse they're on and really get down to the nitty-gritty because this world isn't all just about love. It's about justice and telling people where they need to get on and where they need to get off and, and so forth. And, and, but there needs to be a balance. So I think when, what God is saying is here is, as a born-again believer, one of the gifts that I'm going to bestow upon you is the gift of charisma or the gift of love. And if we look at um, verses two and three of 1 Corinthians, he says, and this will almost parallel verses seven, and eight of 1 John four, verses seven and eight. In verse two, he says, you know that you were Gentiles. So he's telling us that in the past, you were Gentiles. You were carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led you were led by something that wasn't wasn't true it it was just a dead object then in verse 3 says wherefore i give i give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of god calleth jesus accursed and that no man can say that jesus is the lord but by the holy ghost so here we have another problem if a person I'm just going to use an example of an evangelist. He comes here, and he gives a powerful message, and he he opens up an altar call. And some people come up, and they say, I accept Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. But the only way they did that was with their emotions. And on Monday morning, they really, really wanted to go do bad stuff again. They really, really wanted to sin. Are they really, truly born again? You be the judge, or God be the judge. What he's saying here is that you can say the words that, oh, you are, um, that you are, Jesus is the Lord. I can say those words, but that does not mean that I'm a child of God. So what does it mean? Another little illustration. So I just went to the pantry and got a can of cream of mushroom soup. Now, how do you know that's mushroom soup? Maybe, just maybe, I took the label off of another can and put it on here. So what's inside of this? See, you actually don't know. I know, or I think I do. So if somebody came in here this morning and said, I'm a Christian, how do you know that they're a Christian? It's because of what's inside, not what they say. So if the Spirit of God, he is saying here that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord unless they're born of the Spirit of God. God gives that to you, and it's a gift. It's the charisma that God brings into your life. One of the the ways I will explain it is, so it says no man can say that Jesus is the Lord. So if you say that I am a Christian the way you say that is not as much verbally as you do with your actions. So if your life says that God is in me, the Lord has filled me up with his spirit, and I am now acting out with what God is telling me to do, then people know that you're a Christian. So that's how you know if somebody, somebody is a Christian. Now, the store that we buy this from, we have yet to buy a can of cream mushroom soup, open it up, and it's a can of beans, So far, they've gotten it right every time. So I am assuming I did not change this label. And I can almost guarantee you that if I open this up, it'd be cream mushroom soup in here. But how do I know? Maybe somebody slipped the label off at the store. So to know for sure, I'll open this up and see if it's cream mushroom soup. So if somebody says, I'm a Christian. Jesus is my Lord. How do you know if that's true? You open up their life and find out. Because nobody can say that Jesus is my Lord, live their life without being filled with the Spirit and having God in them. And that's what he's saying here in, in verse 3. And he also says that in 1 John, is you can't you can't say you love God and not be part of God. And I don't believe he's saying that the label says that I'm God. I verbally say that I'm Because anybody can say those words. But can anybody live the charismatic love or the charisma love that God has enabled us with His Spirit without being a true born-again believer? People today identify with a lot of different things. I choose to identify with Christ. Have somebody I know that A while back, he was flying, went on an airplane, and he hated wearing masks. And so he went to the flight steward and said, today, identify as a three-year-old. She kind of smiled and chuckled and said, boy, you still need to wear a mask. The next flight, he said, "Uh, I identify as my wife's dog, because dogs don't have to wear masks. She also chuckled and said, you have to wear your mask. So who was he? See, he said, I identify as this person. Well, it was obvious he wasn't. He was still a grown man. People today say, I identify as a woman. But if you're a man, you're a man. You can't change that. Just like you say, if you're not a Christian and you identify as a Christian, but you're full of beans, you're still full of beans. You're not the real thing. I believe at the new birth when a person says truly that I have accepted Christ, that I've opened up my life, I emptied it out, and I want you to fill me with your spirit. And we look at some of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm not skipping over them to skip over them, but I'm bringing out the first part of verse 1 where he says, I give you a gift, and that gift that he's giving you is mentioned in First Corinthians 13 as the most important one. And that's the gift of love. And it's not the gift of love that says, I'm going to give my wife a box of chocolates or my friend some chocolates. It's not the gift of love that says, I'm a beautiful can. I identify as a cream of mushroom soup when inside I might be full of beans. But what it is, is he's saying is that I want to fill you up with this charisma, this gift. And that gift that I want to give you, the most important one is the gift of love. And I believe that gift of love that he gives you is not just the one that says, I want to help you out today just because I want to be kind. I identify as a Christian, but it's the kind of love that goes beyond what you have naturally and becomes supernaturally. There are certain types of people that I have to work really hard at liking. Natural, my natural self says, I don't want to visit with this type of person. I don't want to visit with that type of person. Or I don't want to do this job. It's a weakness. For me to like a certain person takes a supernatural uh, feeling of love. It's not something that I was born with. I've also seen non-believers get along with a lot of people. And it looks like they're full of love. But that's their natural love. What he's talking about here is a different kind of love. Turn to Romans chapter 5. And I'll be reading verse 5. Romans 5, 5. And he says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. So where does the love of God come from? It says it comes by the Holy Spirit that is shed abroad, that is given to us. And when I started reading some of this stuff, I realized that if we don't love people, then we don't have that charismatic love. We're just going by our feelings. See, this person was kind to me, so I'm going to be kind back to him. Which is okay to do, but then you're no better than the average person. Because everybody does that. You can go to your, your next door neighbor that's not a Christian and do something kind to him, and there's a good chance he'll do something kind back to you. It's just a kind of a law of human nature. We do that. But what about doing something nice or out of love to somebody that you know there's no way they can pay you back? And it might be disgusting work. There might be rats in the house, but you have to go clean the house. There might be spoiled food. Like, Why don't, why don't they just take care of that themselves? But God's love in you says, I will do that. I will do the worst job out there because of the love of God. I will go into prisons where there's people that will curse me and say, get out of here. I will still share the gospel with them. Why? Not because of it makes me feel good, but it's because of the love that God put in my heart. We'll turn back to 2 Corinthians verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4. be reading 1 through 4. And this one here, this portion of Scripture does not really talk about the love that God has. But there's a part here that I want to bring out, and it's in verse 3. But I'm going to read 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And it might be kind of a stretch to to tie verse 3 in with the topic today, but the part I want to bring out is that if our gospel be hid, it is not hid to us, it's hid to them that are lost. So if we're saying we're going to just love the people in church, what good is it? Does not God want us? Isn't that not part of the gospel? Is to love other people that are non-believers outside that are that are the people that are lost? So if our love is hid, who are we hiding it from? We're hiding it from the people that are lost. So that should compel us to want to spread that love to others. And it and it comes out in so many different ways. I wrote some things down. Um how do we love? And that's the question. So if God fills us with his love, how do we love? I believe that if you add it all up, that the Bible teaches that exercising the gifts and the talents that are divinely given. In First Corinthians twelve, I read verse one. But if you keep reading that chapter, and then you skip chapter three and go to fourteen. It gives the gifts that God gives the believers or to the believers, and those are ways that we can exercise the love of God. Can you have a gift of God without having his love? Probably not. In verse 31 of chapter 12, he says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And When you pray that prayer or if you if you pray to God says, I want the best gifts, I want the best love that you have so that I can, in turn, give that to others. A gift is something that you receive and then from that gift, you can bless others and you get that through the Spirit of God. How do we love? It's not by what we feel like doing sometimes. See, sometimes when God says, I want you to exercise your gift, it doesn't come on a Sunday morning. It might. But how about it comes mostly when you're least expecting it, when you're least prepared? This past week, I was climbing over a gate, or a week ago, climbing over a gate, and it slipped and fell and pinned my leg underneath it, and I still got a bruise from that. And it hurt. Did I feel like exercising a gift at that time? Not really, but I had to refrain from yelling. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't in a position to praise God, was I, or was I? And it's a reminder that even when I'm in pain, I still have to praise God. I have to think, well, at least I didn't break my leg, even though it felt like it. But God fills us with his love, and it's not our love. It's not it's not our gift, it's God's gift. So how do we how do we love people? We give. We give of our time, we give of our possessions, we give of our talents, the gifts that God gives us, and most of all, we give God through teaching, through just one on one. We tell them about God. And when do we love? I would say always. You always show god's love it's usually not scheduled like i mentioned it's spontaneous when there's a need arise those are not planned emergencies happen all the time things happen you people do things there's maybe somebody gets a bill in the mail i have no way of paying it maybe somebody gets sick all of a sudden you can go visit them in the hospital those are spontaneous things that that's how we love we love when it, when it becomes available. And the question is, is, if you as believers have accepted the gifts of God, how has that affected you? How has that blessed your life? I wrote some things down. Is You go from depression to happiness. You go from anger to peace. You go from being a miser to a giver. You help non-believers. You also help the body of believers. If you're taking notes, there's one thing I want you to write down. And um, first of all, before that, is the human love is limited to natural abilities, but with God's love, you will surpass your human ability. And maybe for an exercise, if you want to repeat this phrase after me, but before I do that, I'm going to read it off. If you want to write it down today, I receive the love of God, and I'm enabled to love beyond my natural ability. So if we can say all that, say that together, I'll say it, and then you repeat after me. Today, Today I, receive the love of God, I receive the love of God, and I'm enabled to love, I'm to love. Beyond, my beyond my natural ability. So when you think of being a Christian, and I hope you take that and apply that to your life. Don't just say it, but mean it and do it. Because there's a lot of things that we, that God requires of us to do, that I can't do by myself. There's times that I wish somebody would just make the decision for me and say, just do it. But God wants me to make that decision. God, God wants me to say, you know what, you need to stand up and make the decision and do it. And if I say I can't do it, that's not true. But yet it's true because I can't do it by myself, but God can empower me to do it. He can give me the courage. There's many examples in the Old Testament that people did extraordinary things and it wasn't them. It was the power of God. Think of Samson and all that he did. It was the spirit of God in him. And I'm not saying you go do and repeat everything that Samson did because we do want the doors on our church. We want the doors, <laughs> We want the thing to stand. But he did things by the power of God. And if he could do it, what can God do in you? So that's the challenge I want to leave with you this morning is take on and pray for that charisma or that gift of love and exercise that gift.